0: what's up knuckleheads this is the bc pod and we have got a good one for you today joey talks with his mentor his mentor literally joey talks about him being his mentor brian mclaren author of the great spiritual migration can't wait to hear this interview and uh maybe i'll read the book. Are you a universalist out there listening? Who knows uh, what does that even mean? I believe there's multiple universes, so I'm off topic here. Emery's going on tour with Hawthorne Heights. Tickets are selling super fast, so check out the dates and secure your spot now at emorymusic.com, uh We've got a really a really cool VIP experience planned for you too. That we're going to share the a VIP with Hawthorne Heights. We're going to do it together. Uh, so if you want to come early and see us perform each other's songs acoustically. And get some uh, cool swag Swag, swag Come do that Also, uh, we are doing Devin and I are doing a songs and stories night With Emory, an acoustic show Um, And we've changed, changed the show From the first show being in Nashville To St. Louis And that's April 11th, April 12th Louisville, Kentucky, April 13th, Grand Rapids, Michigan, and April 14th, Chicago, Illinois. This is going to be really good. I think uh, Grand Rapids might already be sold out, actually. So you St. Louis folks, we just changed it over. Get your tickets quick, because who knows if it's going to sell out quick or not. There's a few tickets left, I think, in Louisville and Chicago. uh, But yeah, that's April 11th through April 14th. You can go to emorymusic.com and check that out as well. And today's episode is sponsored by Joybird. Create the furniture that brings you joy and get 25% off by going to joybird.com slash badchristian. Also, today's show is sponsored by hymns. Don't go bald. Go get a trial month of hymns for only $5, folks, at 4 slash slash badchristian. And today's show is sponsored by Legacy Box. Also, there's never been a better time to digitally preserve your memory. So get 40% off your order by visiting legacybox.com bad christian, Let's do it.
1: Oh,
0: hell yeah, God showed up. I don't give a shit what I put in my body. You don't ever fucking talk to me that way. <laughs> so if you've never done oral, then you're extroverted. No, girl, it's my flesh. I, I showed my dad my penis when I was 25 years old. You don't get more honest than that. Joey, kick the beat! It's the bad it's the bad it's the bad Christian podcast we love jesus we love sex out of marriage we love hurting people mentally and emotionally
1: wait a it minute jesus. not why'd really you have
2: to, why'd you do that why'd you give her i don't we need to do that over let's stop let's shit let's do that. i don't want
1: to
0: yeah. fuck motherfucking shit God. <laughs> What the fuck? We gotta Wait, hey, there's over? something wrong with your audio. There's something wrong with your audio. Motherfuck <laughs> Hey, you know what? You can easily get away with cussing if you don't say that motherfuck God damn pussy I'm not saying the words. Yeah, we don't know what you're saying. It just sounds like it I'm gonna start doing that. That's great. I never thought about that
2: so they don't know they don't know that whether you're not you're cussing just like if you had a go-to
0: if you have a go-to cuss word what do you think it is like uh, also matt's still not here his damn kid was born he's blown off all his work he doesn't care about anybody but his fucking family and himself so fuck them we don't give a shit we're here for you we care about the job Uh, joey's uh child was born and he's uh, wasn't even at the birth so he could finish a podcast yep. Matt takes off weeks so you know fuck them <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fuck the Carters they don't give a shit about it. whoever's listening to me now you might not like my language but you know in your heart the Carters do not care about you that they is do true. not care
2: that's true I, I didn't I never wanted to come out and say that what what gave you the balls to say that
0: because I don't like it that they just they have kids just to miss work. Okay, they don't stop. Even care yeah, about no, the no, fucking no. Stop, kids.
2: Stop, stop. You're gonna say something you regret, and I know it. I know. I you, will so stop. not regret it. Just stop. Stop while you're ahead. So, let what me tell is you.
0: your what is your go-to cuss word? Like, if you are gonna like if somebody pulls out in traffic or whatever, what's the one that just comes out almost automatically? I don't think I can admit it and keep my job. Are you? See- <laughs> <laughs> I All mean, right. can <laughs> don't I? Don't say it. No, just don't. I don't <laughs> want you to. Reva, do you have a go-to cuss word? Like, what? what is it?
1: Uh, i probably say, God damn it.
0: <laughs> oh, my Lord. No. Against our father? You would do, do that just so casually against start. our father? Capital <laughs> F-A-T-H-E-R? You would do that? Mine's probably shit or... Shit. <laughs> which
2: nobody else says by the way that's I your know, own. So I
0: know so why is that I, I mean I'm being, I'm saying it how I say it shit. shit but nobody else says it that way so why why is mine so bad mine sh- mine's like a word that nobody says no mine's like, way
1: worse uh,
0: than yours I know our lord and savior died for your sins and you would just take his father's name in vain Reva, I just don't even know like you I mean special place in you know where for you my friend anyway are y'all having a good are y'all having a good week what's going on
2: oh Joey? If I'd be if I was doing any better, I'd go out and kill somebody. I think. Oh my
0: lord! Yeah, yeah. That's so an old I don't southern. want
2: to be doing any better than what I'm doing right now. I heard that, <laughs> but I do. Well, Reva, you you got anything? All right. Well, let me tell Reva. <laughs> Reva, yeah,
1: yeah, I've been doing good.
2: Hey, you realize you realize the more Reva's on here, I have someone I get to pick on. Like, oh you my lord, pick on yeah. Me, yeah. Go I Go ahead, just, pick
0: on her a little bit. I can just throw it at her
2: sometimes, and I can geez. feel yeah, like.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, Joey loves getting to say like "fucking bitch." <laughs> Joey, I, I would never say that, but Joey thinks that's funny. <laughs> he gets to pick on Reba. <laughs> uh, oh, no, I, I, hey, Reba got. So I, listen, a lot of things are going good in Reba's life. She's got a nice, yeah. a really nice haircut. I mean, what? That, I, I, I'm. It sounds like I might be joking. I'm being one hundred percent serious. Is getting a haircut like a pretty serious like choice to make for for you? It
1: is when you've had hair like down to your belly button for a couple of years and then chopping it shorter than your shoulders. Yeah. Like that's, it is significant.
2: I have hair on my belly button. Like I have hair on it.
0: <laughs> Joey. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Joey. Had, <laughs> Joey, what's the longest your hair has ever been? Did you have long hair? I don't even, I've never seen you with long hair.
2: My sophomore year of high school it was still pretty boy. I had it parted on the side, but yeah. the feathers that hung—if I was in the shower—I could put it in my
0: mouth, basically.
2: Wow! Um, but then outside of that, at college, you know, I would always slick my hair back, so there was some length to yeah. it. But yeah, uh, hey, I, grew, look, I
0: grew my hair out long once, before, but or a couple of times. But it—I uh, don't really think it ever looked good. Mine's super thick, and it looks just strange. And and I'm fat, so it's just not good. Anyway, <laughs> all right, Joey, do you, do you I, remember? I, oh, go ahead. Do you no, remember? No, no you remember when the Confederate
2: flag was an issue of debate in the South and now it's off the table. I mean, there's, there's, you know, obviously you have some people that feel strongly pro for it, but the conversation and the argument is kind of off to the side now because you just can't, you can't put in a good word for Dixie, I guess, so to speak. But anyway, Priscilla and I getting back from Norway, we brought back a Norwegian flag, which is, I think a very beautiful flag, but when I'm looking at it, I'm thinking Norway. I'm not thinking, oh, there. It's eerily similar to the Confederate flag. So, yeah. So Priscilla's parents come over and they're like, you know, your uh, Norwegian flag looks like a Confederate flag, and we're like, that's no. so crazy. We're like, no, not. Re-. And then I looked at it and the like, if it had like, so basically, it's like a purple cross. You can look it up right now. It's like a purple cross with a yeah. red backdrop. If it had the white stars in the blue cross, and it would look exactly like the Confederate flag.
0: Oh, I and see so, what you're saying. So, I'm looking it up right yeah, now. Yeah, so, yeah, you're right. So
2: here's my rationale. Tell me if you agree or not. Like Priscilla's has taken the approach of we got to remove that. No way we want anybody even thinking that's a Confederate flag. We got to take it down right now. My position is there's not one person in the neighborhood that's going to glance at it and then drive away thinking, huh? I wonder if those people have a Confederate flag. They will find out. They will walk yeah. up to it when nobody's looking. They will park the car and, or they'll wait for the wind to blow it. Nobody is going to think maybe we have one. So I just, yeah. I don't think that's something that someone lets go. So anyway, we're talking about it at a, you, I know you miss our meetings, man, our elder meetings and staff meetings. That was oh, the one best thing about being in Charleston. Our- Hell yeah. So anyway, we're meeting with all them and we're talking about the flag because some of them commented as well. And we we have a uh we have a, a black elder and then a black guy on staff well the guy on staff was not uh at the meeting to hear all this conversation so he is on the text message chain of all the elders and staff so Robbie was not there the night before, and one of our elders, who is a white male, starts sending pictures of Confederate flags out of nowhere. So here you have a text Whoa. chain. Here's Here you have a text chain that's elders of the church and staff of the church. We've got a uh, worship leader. I mean, you know Robbie Madison. I mean, just unbelievable professional, uh, yeah. just just you know, I'm sorry, puts you to shame. I mean, puts me to shame, for crying out loud. But here he is getting text messages of Confederate flags from an elder, and he texts, he texts the staff and he's like, hey, does anybody know why uh, so-and-so is sending pictures of the Confederate? Like, what? it really was like, why in the world? I mean, because think about it. All <laughs> of a sudden, the elder says, what about this one? What about this one? And all he right. was doing is continuing the conversation saying, yeah, it does look like the Norwegian flag, but from right. Robbie's perspective, it's just out of nowhere, the elder's <laughs> flying <laughs> the confederate flag <laughs> but but if if you were in like my a shoes pastor, an elder you right, start
0: sending right, confederate right. flag pictures what's up look at this all right if you haven't gone to the joybird.com website you just gotta go because it's so fun just to look at all the furniture i mean it just it really makes my life happy just seeing all the different things that you can create and they will make for you um it's it's really a revolution in online furniture shopping and Joybird the company is behind it all. Uh, with Joybird you get one of a kind furniture made to your unique taste. Turn your ideas into reality with hundreds of styles and options. Seriously, I've been if y'all might not know this about me, but if I wasn't married, I wouldn't have a bed in the house. I'd sleep on a couch and they have some of this, the coolest couches and you just get you get so much control about what you want to do. For example, when we bought our last couch, you couldn't decide the orientation of it. Like, we it would have been better if it would have been uh, set up on the right side with the uh, the Chase Lounge part of the sectional or whatever. And we didn't get a say. We just ended up buying it. I didn't know about Joybird at the time. Now I do, and I love it. So that's what I am talking about today. Quality handcrafted furniture. Seriously, each Joybird piece is made by hand with care and precision using high-quality hardwood and responsibly sourced materials to fit your exact specifications. And a limited lifetime warranty is included. 365 days. That's one year. Uh, home trial. Skip the furniture store and bring home the showroom the home. Bring the showroom home. Uh, that's one of the things about furniture that is always behind me. Going to those furniture stores, I would so much rather just get it online, ship it to my house so and I don't have to talk to any humans. so See how Joybird is revolutionizing online furniture uh, shopping. Create the furniture that brings you joy today at joybird.com slash badchristian. Go to joybird.com slash badchristian and receive an exclusive offer for 25% off your first order using the code badchristian
2: would you guys take the route of we don't want anyone to even have a hint of confusion or would you take my approach of nobody's going to be confused because they're going to find out they're going to, they're going to make sure yeah, they know I, one way or another. Yeah.
0: I think you can't take down the Norwegian flag that has nothing to do with Confederate flag. You know what I mean? Like that, right. that seems like, like you're doing that for fun for your family. And if somebody really had a problem with it, they would come up and say, hey, take down that Confederate flag. You go, No, it's not the Confederate flag. It's the Norwegian flag, and you can Google it. Right. I just did. I just sent y'all a picture. Now, I do think it's interesting. Like, I could see maybe why somebody would see that, but I mean, it like the only thing they're seeing is that the Confederate flag is red, white, and blue, and this one is. Like, I mean, yeah. the cross isn't the same. There's way a bunch of differences. I some of this stuff sometimes it gets really tricky because I understand that. It's not easy to figure out everything out in the immediate moment. I yeah. do get that. But at the same time, like, how are you, like, somebody, uh, one of the BC clubbers wrote today, uh, or one of the BC clubbers wrote, uh, somebody actually confronted them. They have a site about, uh, their site is called, like, she, she's doing a, a site called Native Disney. Huh. I, I believe that's what it's called. Um, I hope I'm saying that right. Yeah, I don't know if she cares about me saying her name or not. So hopefully, oh yeah, I think deal. it's
1: Disney native. Disney native. In Orlando.
0: She, it, yeah, she lives. Yeah. yeah, she lives close in Florida, and and somebody wrote there saying that native meant like Native American, and that's not what it means. Like the like the idea is there, uh, and and she really took a moment to go, wait a minute, am I wrong? Am I, do I have a blind spot? What's going on here? And I thought that was really interesting first because it's like okay, we live in a day and age where that's kind of cool that she would take a moment and go, wait a minute, do. Did I do something that maybe could be really offensive? And then at the other, the next step I go is, hold on, what does the word native mean? Hmm. I, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it, it it just I don't uh, like Switchfoot has a song right now called Native Tongue. Like, what does that yeah. mean? Is that about yeah. uh, you know Native Americans or or what? Like Native Americans, yes, native. Like there's like you can use that word and so I go, "What? Uh, how can somebody do that to you? They're abusing." So the same way is what I'm saying is if somebody comes by and says, "You have a confederate flag," that's something that they're saying that has nothing to do with anything about you. Right. Or the flag. It's not right. there's no nothing there. So how do you navigate that? Like yeah. how do you get through that and and figure yeah. that out because well, and, you don't and, want to be offensive to somebody, but I mean, is it 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 like also what if somebody I mean are we having to talk about somebody's intelligence? They just can't understand it, right? Like they they don't want to take the time to learn about flags or right. words. Like right. I don't know, do I have to spend time doing that?
2: Right. Well, and and uh, and and just to give, I mean, I, I've got some evidence of how it played out. Is right across the street. There's a neighbor, and it's it's a black family. And I've watched basketball with him a little bit here and there, but we're not really good friends. And so he obviously either took a quick look at it or actually had yeah. to study it or whatever. But when I got out of the car, it was his usual, what's up, dude? He obviously saw the flag and knew it wasn't Confederate. So yeah. at least I think so. I don't think he would be that yeah. chill to be like, hey, what's up, white neighbor with the Confederate flag? I don't, I, you know, so. Yeah, um, I mean, I yeah. can
0: understand you the... the, the Impulse, int- for the sure. The interesting... The interesting thing there is if you're in Norway nobody would bat an eye. Right. But being in South Carolina, yeah, totally. I can I can understand that. But yeah. that's the right response. Wait a minute, what is that? Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I you have to be you have to educate yourself on what the the flag is, right? Yeah, it's it's the same territory as the whole Christian
2: mantra of you can't do anything that looks evil. Well, where do you draw the line? Like you just got to walk out in public and everywhere you go be thinking I don't know who's watching me, but I have to be okay with my, you know, it's just yeah. same sort of thing. You just don't know where to draw the line, but uh, I you know, s- speaking of the whole racial stuff and and um I'm I'm thinking uh, so I just watched a documentary on the LA riots and I actually I was so intrigued to watch a good documentary, and I couldn't find any really good ones on YouTube, and I kept seeing on iTunes this brand new documentary. I think it may be a year ago, but for some reason, it it, it snuck by me when it came out, and I just wanted to watch it so bad, and I was like, you know, I'd probably watch it more than once, so I bought it, I think, for $9.99. And I'm telling you, it was the most enjoyable Thursday night because I think everybody had gone to bed or maybe Priscilla was out. And I'm sitting there watching this documentary. <laughs>
0: wait, 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 wait. Oh, I loved it. You,
2: oh, my gosh. It was so the, much re-
0: the first reason it was enjoyable is because you got to be alone, right?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just me and my documentary. Oh, oh my gosh. me and my good. documentary. Oh, so, that sounds good. So here, here's, here's the one thing that I took away, which was major. I mean, first of all, it's an unbelievable documentary. And, you know, I was 15 when all that happened, and I did not really grapple with how unbelievable it was. I mean, there was literally an intersection where if you stopped – and you were not black. You were pulled out of your car and and beaten close to death. I mean, it was super, super just wow. completely chaotic. And so two things. First of all, I never thought that I would hear anything that would borderline convince me that the riots uh, were justified. Now, I don't think the extent of the riots, like literally beating people almost to death or maybe to death, I I forgot whether or not, there were definitely some fatalities, but I don't know if it was the result of beating. But I definitely think that when it comes to that sort of thing, there's no excuse. You can't not make an excuse for violence, but listen to what some black leader said, and it wasn't, uh, I don't think it was a big name because I wasn't familiar with him, but he basically said, if you are a, a a black male and you're used to cops stopping you and used to cops harassing you and you just witness with this evidence that these cops are still not being held accountable then there's no possibility for justice in Los Angeles. Like what he said, what else wow. are you supposed to believe as a black male when yeah. you see the video evidence and they were innocent? And what, are she, what else are you supposed to do? So that did stop me in my tracks, and I was like, what do you do? You live right. in a place where not only are you going to get heckled, but there's nothing you can do about it because they're going to get away with it. Like, wh- How do you retaliate to that? Do you just are you, do you go Martin Luther King and say, well, I'll just let it happen? Some people would say, no, that's, you can't well, make that decision. Yeah. You have to do something about it. So yeah, I no, don't yeah. justify the violence, but should they have acted out somehow? yes. I don't know how, but yes. And then the last thing that I'll say is, and this is embarrassing. Well, no, it's not embarrassing. This is just who I was. So as a 15-year-old kid, I was growing up in the South. I was in a very conservative Republican family and uh, we were not progressive thinkers at all. And so I'm hearing mostly from a, a white perspective, hey, we don't know what it's like to be these cops. We have no idea what Rodney King, and, and Tobin, maybe you need to give them some background information on the LA riots for younger listeners, but we have no idea what Rodney King was doing. We have no idea how threatened they felt. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Well, as a 15-year-old, I looked at that video and I seriously could concur. I was like, yeah, we yeah. have no idea what was going on. Dude, I watched that video as a 41-year-old two weeks ago, and I could not believe how obvious it was. I was completely disgusted that those cops got, those cops got off. I could not believe it. I, I felt like I was in a yeah. time warp. I was like in a cultural travel sort of deal. And it, it even it even grieved me to some degree to hear. So, so here's, here's what I heard. I heard white people and behind a microphone being interviewed for news purposes, being unashamed of saying justice was served. Like in 1992, cops got off for beating this dude almost to death when they did not need to. They were completely um, taking advantage of their uh, um, power, and white people defended it on camera. Can you believe that? Like that's a different world that's a different world, but I just cannot believe how looking at that now is there's no doubt in my mind. I mean, those guys should have paid the price for that.
0: It, it's interesting. Uh, a couple things here. Like I, I think you're right that some of those quotes you said, and and I think you meant this, but just to clarify, I think uh, Martin Luther King definitely did things not to, uh, he it, he it, it didn't just let stuff happen, but he protested in a way that, you know, was very hopefully successful and yeah. it ended up costing him his life in some ways. But um, I think that so the riots happened because four police officers were acquitted after pulling Rodney King out of his truck and beating him uh, merciless, merciful. What's the word? Unmercifully mercilessly uh, merciless. How do you say it? Mercilessly, and you're getting them confused with
2: Reginald Denny. The the guy that was pulled out of the truck was part of the riots. Was actually part of the riots. I think Rodney King was actually chased, but I could be wrong. But I think the so so but but you bring up an interesting point. So Reginald Denny was another famous permise. On on
0: March third on March third, nineteen ninety one, Rodney King was violently beaten by LAPD officers during his arrest for fleeing and evading a California State Route 210. A civilian, George Holiday filmed it from his... Uh, the footage clearly showed Rod, uh, King being beaten repeatedly, and the incident was covered by the media and stuff like that. The riots... Um, I be- I'm, I'm almost certain I thought the riots started, and this is from Wikipedia, so I could be wrong, but unrest began in South Central Los Angeles in April 29 after a trial jury acquitted four officers of the Los Angeles Police Department for usage of excessive force in their arrest and beating of Rodney King. Yeah. So I'm... You were saying Reginald Denny, but I think the riots happened because of Rodney King. Right?
2: No, 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 no. no. I, I was saying when when you talked about police pulling someone out of their truck, I think oh, that I'm sorry, narrative mis- you were getting confused with Reginald yeah, yeah, Denny.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, I yeah. See. So I mean, just a quick snapshot, because it is interesting. So Reginald Denny became a super famous person because, yeah. as part of the riots, he was a white guy that pulled up in his. Uh, sixteen wheel or whatever, and was pulled out of that. That's right. That and was they Reginald threw Denny, a brick at yes. his face, and they had all of that on camera too. And so then the big question was, you know, were those black males caught up into all that stuff, and should they be declared innocent? Now, I mean, t- dude, talk about some conflict but, in your yeah. culture because the white cops just got off. Why shouldn't those black guys get off?
0: Right. The, the The difference there is, yeah. Rodney King was beaten by the police. Reginald Denny was beaten beaten by, by rioters. rioters. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 66 percent of men lose their hair by age 35 can you believe that wow uh not me not matt not not Riva on this podcast they don't they don't have that problem uh not white carl what's that not steve oh i like some of the other products that him sells and i use but seriously one person <laughs> i have a friend and friends that uh Could use some hymns, and they're going to. And I recommend hymns because why not try it? Seriously, sixty six percent of men lose their hair by age thirty five, and when you lose it, when you lose it, it's gone. It's really too late. So why not take some steps? Why not use the easiest? possible way, the most user-friendly way ever to, uh, stop that hair loss on top of your head. I think it's important. Uh, you'll feel better. You'll look better. And that's a little bit of an ego booster. That's true. I, I, I mean, anything I can do to make my ego bigger, <laughs> maybe not me, but you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Seriously? Uh, Hims uh, it connects you with real doctors and medical grade solutions to treat hair loss. Well known genetic generic uh, equivalents to name brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. No snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. Seriously, it's really cool. You are talking to real doctors. They evaluate you, send you the products, and it's really simple. It's in the mail. You don't have to go any place. It's just great. No waiting room. No awkward person. No awkward in-person doctor visits. Answer a few quick questions, and the doctor will review and can prescribe you. Products are shipped directly to your door. I said all that, and I mean it. Order now, and our listeners get a free trial month for uh, of HIMS for just five dollars right now. Seriously, while supplies last. See website for full details. This would cost hundreds. If you went to the doctor or a pharmacy, so go to four com slash bad Christian. That's F O R H I M com slash bad Christian for com slash bad Christian. I'm going to see that thick, full mane. Next time I see y'all all of this, man, it's really crazy. Like so much of this stuff, also like my history and learning about, uh, racial equality and the differences that, like, uh, I mean, this is a real time where, you know, what's interesting about this as well is after this, it kind of died down talking about, uh you know, pre- police brutality and stuff. It kind of died down and then really? now we're back. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was not at the height. I mean, think about yeah. now how common it is in our our culture and our language to think about police brutality, yeah. especially against minorities. I mean, it's huge. Yeah. And so this is an interesting time in my history where you're right the narrative we were told in South Carolina all the way across the country, you know, uh, Southern was you always trust cops. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like I mean, I mean, seriously, like cops. I mean, not it, not that everybody trusted cops necessarily. I, I mean, maybe. But the idea is, wait a minute. The rights are bad. This, this, this and this. So you, you this is the way you need to look at this. those cops are trying to do the best they can and yeah maybe that footage but even that's trying to make them look bad or like the the stories we were told even from family members and stuff like this is you're you're right is like wait a minute you trust authority you 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 make sure that uh you support uh, the authority and these people because they've been trained and put in these positions to handle it better than anybody else could which is the same stories we were told about church you trust the authority in the church because they were trained, they were called, they were whatever it might be. And so this is a crazy change in history where uh, everybody's like, wait a minute, hold on, this looks really bad. Yeah. And, why, and you had to actually question why, like, like you said with the quote at the beginning, wait a minute, why, why are black people so mad? Why are they right. so upset? What does this mean? And we were never told any of that stuff. Right. I didn't know what it was like to be a young black male and or a female in right. LA. Right. Nobody ever Dude. and now, now we get in retrospect now there's so much media, so much content that you actually were able to watch a uh documentary that uh, you know told you a lot of information. Isn't that right. crazy? You didn't yeah, have totally. access to that back then. Isn't that wild?
2: Totally. So so I mean let me let me t- uh, let me even get broader and kind of turn this on its head a little bit. So there have, there have been times when I have been accused of of not being progressive enough. And I'm sure many times... uh, Yeah, God, yeah. And I'm sure there's many times where those people were absolutely correct in their assessment. Now, as far as how they handled it, I think it's kind of mean-spirited and a a little bit impatient. But here's where I came from. Toby, I don't know if this happened in Greer, but in our high school... There was so much Confederate flags being worn at school, and it was totally acceptable that uh, the black guys came up with a design. And I think this was birthed out of Charleston, and it was a redoing of the Confederate flag. The colors were changed, and it says, the future is the flava. So basically, like, the future is the flavor, and you better get with the program. And that shirt... Was controversial because the white people felt that it was offensive because of their loyalty to the Confederate flag. Oh, wow. That's in the mid nineties. Wow! Like, I know. like people actually had oh, people man. had legs to stand on by being offended of the yeah. Confederate flag being desecrated. Can you believe that? I mean, that's <laughs> insane. I mean, I, I'll tell you what. That's twenty three that,
0: years ago. I know. I, I'm telling you. I've been telling. I've been having this thought and telling people. For the last, uh, you know, six months or something, but I there it, it is going to be shocking to you, politics and authority and our government and church, what that's going to change and look like in the next ten years, because yeah. you're you've already seen it, like you just said, in twenty three years, like twenty three years ago, and, and and you might as well say yesterday. I mean, it, 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 there's still some of that that's prevalent in the thoughts of Americans right now. Some of the some of the you know racist thoughts. Some of the Take away the word, you know, racist is a is a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a, a intense word to use. That's not the what I'm wanting to say. But, uh, no, um, a word that gets people hyped up. What is that? What's the trigger word? I'm trying to, triggered word. Yeah, it's a, it's a triggering word, which I understand. But even take away the word racism, the idea that Toby Morrell was whatever, you know, not even a teen yet or whatever, or a young teen, and did not have access to all the information. There's no way that Toby Morrell at that age could have done anything else except trust the people that he knew. Yeah. So now you have a wealth of information, and you're going to learn more and more daily. So it is our, all of our responsibility— to maybe learn that information. I mean, it, it, there's yeah. no escaping it anymore. Like, for me to turn a blind eye to police brutality, I have to learn some facts. Now, is it as bad as it is, as they say? Is it not as bad as they say? Is it worse? Whatever that is, it, there's a little bit of responsibility for me. And uh, to make some time for that and, and to figure out, wait a minute, I've always been told this. That ain't maybe that's not the real story because you're going to hear more and more of you were told this, this is actual truth. And it's going to get really crazy. I mean, we are, I mean, and th- this is the tip of the iceberg. I mean, I'm, I'm blown away that Joey Svensson watches a documentary in 2019 and says, Oh, I never thought of it that way. I never was told that Yeah, I, you, you were never given the opportunity Right. You know what I mean? Like, like now you have it, and you go, "Oh, I can make an informed decision, maybe." And yeah, I'm, and- I'm not even s- saying anything to the authenticity or the truthfulness of this documentary. But my God, at least you got a, an opposite a, a view, or an opposing view, or an alternate view, rather, right. something.
2: And and I hear I hear this question a lot, and it's along the lines of, "Is there is there." any fixing the polarity and the strife and the impatience on social media and all that stuff. Yeah. And I will say the only way possible is if you have a lot of charismatic people talk about what you just said, and that is, please, that you've got to assume that yeah. everybody is in this this margin of time where they don't know what they don't know. Like no one told them that that is a racist thought. No one told them that was inappropriate. You know, for our grandparents, it was no one told them it was okay to to be friends with a black person. For our generation, it may be no one told them that uh, maybe homosexuality is not a sin. Maybe the Bible is wrong. Nobody told them that. So it's just like you got you got to assume. You, you can't always assume that people have all the facts because then you do have reason to be belligerent and pissed off and like, you know this and you're still, well, that's just not the case. 99% of the right. times. That uh, may I mean, be a, a stretch.
0: What a great point. I am never going to be woke. I've just been lucky enough to live long enough to go, Oh, wait a minute. That whatever I was told and believed that wasn't right. Like that. I mean, all, you know, the, the big thing, uh, people talking about being woke or whatever, you know what's more important? Just give somebody a little bit of time, right? Just that's give woke. them a moment, give them a little bit of grace and time, and that's go. That's the new woke. I, I needed that. I thought gay people were going to hell because I was told that. I thought they were sinful. I thought that they were choosing all this bad. Sh- I thought that because I was told it, right? And all I needed was some time and some actual real information to go. Wait, I don't believe that. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, and now, now, I mean, and. I'm sorry, I did not know. I mean, all those things, but I'm saying, I'm saying this in the context of let's try to inform people more and more and more. So there's real information in a real accessible way. Not you're fucked, you're fucked, you're an idiot, you're stupid, you're awful. Don't don't buy into all this bullshit on social media and all this stuff. We're more like than we are different. I do believe that. As cheesy right. as that sounds, and I believe if we can just get real information. We're going to see some stuff. I'm going to see real truth, and that's what I want. That's what everybody wants, the real truth. And here's the test. Here's the test. How does Toby Morrell
2: react to someone that heard him say what he just said and says, fuck you, you're a fucking piece of shit. You don't even know what you're talking about. Like, How do you respond to that? I usually say, fuck you, die. because, because (laughs) Because any person's natural response would be, okay, well, that person pisses me off. Like and, and we write yeah. that person off. That's the very person that we need to figure out a different way of talking right. to that there, I think there are, we should try.
0: There are bad people in this world, but if you met Toby at different stages in his life, there would be He's Tobys that, that you didn't like and Tobys that you would totally disagree with. And it, that guy is even here today. There's a shitload you should disagree with me about. But I'm just saying, everybody, I believe, if, if we can just get through some of this bullshit stuff, everybody can usually go, wait a minute, that is the truth at least. I mean, yeah. there's some fucked up people out there for sure that won't ever and they just want, want to do bad or whatever but I mean, the majority of people go, wait a minute that, that's not right. Yeah. That thing that, that's not good. Like, all I ever heard about the riots, this is what I'm saying, this is helpful for me, all I ever heard about, for, about the riots was it was just real bad and they're just stealing TVs. People are, are smashing windows, stealing electronics and doing this and, and it doesn't matter about anything. Now, maybe there's some truth in that too but the real truth is, why the fuck did it happen? What was really Dude. going on with people's yeah. hearts and minds? And and there's some real truth there. Come Dude, on. Listen, people, I mean, lit- you beat the hell out of people and then just get off just because you're white cops or something. There's something. There's truth there.
2: Yeah. And I and I know we're we're kind of out on time, but I, I mean, here here is another scene that I mean you gotta you gotta watch this. There's a scene where and this this made me think about evil and whether or not it it really is a thing or what does it mean if it is but this this black guy probably in his 50s is yelling at all of these people looting and standing there with their stuff and dude, it is so emotional because it is the most angst, the most pain, the most regret, like tears. And he's mm. like, You guys know better than this. He's like, he's like, Y'all got to see that you're wrong. He, and it just go and he's sobbing. He's just like, Y'all know better than this. On and on and on. Mm. You look in every single one of their eyes, and in every single one of their eyes, they're like, That's that's Uncle Johnny, or that's Mr. Cooper down the road. They all know that guy. Yeah. And and the the Almost like the evil that you saw in their eye when they were bringing stuff out of the buildings. Almost like a, ooh, we're getting away with something. This is whites, blacks, Hispanics. This is across the board the looting was. They had that look in their eye of deviousness, and I'm doing this, and fuck the man, and I'm doing... That look was gone. And all they were looking at was the guy that they know is probably... the telling the truth, and nobody was disrespectful. Nobody shot him the bird. Nobody threatened him. They just sat there and listened, and it was kind of like a, yeah, you're right. And it it was like you didn't see them as bad people. You saw them as people caught up. I know that sounds so liberal.
0: Wow. All right. (laughs) But I really do believe that. Speaking of truth and and, uh, good conversation. Yeah, someone uh, you can't
2: uh, disagree with a whole lot of. Who? Who you were just about to say.
0: Who you say it.
2: I'm saying Brian McLaren. You can't oh disagree Lord. with a whole lot of this. Hey, I am going to. Some gonna... people do in the Baptist church,
0: Joey. <laughs> Hold on. Let's get to it. Uh, I will say this. Uh, r- one thing before we get to the Brian McLaren ep- uh, interview, which Joey did, by the way. I wasn't. I didn't. Even, I'm, and, I'm getting to listen to this.
2: And you may not hear it. You may not be able to tell, but I get emotional a lot. And and one time I have to. No. I have to tell. I, I actually tell him. I said, I'm, I may or may not tell people that you're a mentor of mine. <laughs>
0: Oh my Lord.
2: Well, listen, and here's why he's, he's, he's generously let me text him once in a blue moon and I will not take advantage of it. I literally will text him maybe three times You're a year so cool. and yeah, I'm so cool. Um, But yeah, I, it's, I think he is, uh, I, I really do consider him a mentor, but I think it was really funny because of course, when he thinks of people he's mentoring, I don't think he knows my name.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to get to Brian McLaren. Uh, also check it out. Devin and I are doing Emory shows Hell yeah, in I saw living that. rooms and coffee shops. We're doing uh, Louisville on April 12th, uh, Grand Rapids on April 13th, and Chicago on April 14th. And we're calling it Songs and Stories. We're going to be playing a bunch of Emory songs acoustically and uh, just telling some stories about some of those songs and some uh, life stories as well. So make sure you check that out. All right, Legacy Box is just so cool. And uh, the reason I know that is because of the experience we've had matt and i and i guess the whole band say emory band is the easiest way to say uh yeah matt and i are just the band we sent in a bunch of old videotapes that we had from like seriously when we left south carolina and started emory and moved to seattle and all these old little just tiny videotapes that i thought i don't even know how to watch them anymore send them into legacy box get them back digitally and it's just so awesome and now i I can watch all this stuff. Like I don't even have to think about it. It's just there. It is so awesome. Memories are saved. Like I think it was going away. That videotapes aren't going to last forever. And a lot of times you lose them or they break or something like that. It's just so nice having Legacy Box to really just save all those memories. Um, you can save your family films, photos, and like I said, there's, they've been degrading for a while. Send your Legacy Box filled with old home movies and pictures. They'll do the rest professionally digitizing your moments onto a thumb drive, digital download or DVD. Man, it's just so easy and fun. Easy follow instructions and safety barcodes included for every item. Receive all your original recorded moments back. You don't lose the stuff. They just take care of it really well and send it right back to you, along with perfectly preserved digital copies. Uh, Get personalized updates at every step. Receive up to 12 personalized email updates. Uh, Over 450,000 families have trusted Legacy Box. Why not you? You got old band tapes or old friend tapes or whatever it might be. Save those things, man, your kids, you're going to want to see those for the rest of your life. Why let them just die and go away? There's never been a better time to digitally preserve your memories. Visit LegacyBox.com today to get started. Plus, for a limited time, they're offering our listeners an exclusive discount. Go to LegacyBox.com slash BadChristian to get 40% off your first order. Did you hear me? 40%. My God. Go to legacybox.com/slash bad Christian and save 40% today. Get started preserving your past. Let's get to Brian McLaren. All right. We are here with
2: Mr. Brian McLaren. And uh man, it always makes us look good when smart, well-respected people associate with us. So thank you. <laughs> uh,
3: especially people with a good haircut. That's what really makes
2: <laughs> So I I just read. I was thinking about it the last time you were on here, we may have talked about the Great Spiritual Migration, but I had not read it yet. So I just zipped through this book. I couldn't put it down. And I thought, man, let's let's talk to you because I personally really, 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 really want our listeners to read this book. So if if you're listening and you are a reader um and you're toying around with different ideas or or you just feel you're in a place where you're not sure if you can buy into all the stuff that you've been taught your whole life i would really say this is a good 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 starting point um so uh let me start with this uh brian there's so many uh so i've always approached the bible with i'll call them hell lenses like i was always taught about hell i was taught you know if you accept christ you go to heaven if you don't you go to hell and so when i would come into contact with scriptures that seem to not be compatible with that, you know, such as John saying, you know, in 1 John, not only our sins, but also the sins of the whole world, I would just kind of put that off to the side and say, well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't really know what he was talking about, but it obviously can't mean what it says. Now I'm starting, you know, through listening to guys like you and reading this book, now I'm seeing those verses as, whoa, 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 hold on. (laughs) Let's slow down. Let's look at it and let's not just discard it. But my question to you is, what if I had universalism lenses? Like, what if my parents taught me that everybody goes to heaven? Wouldn't I have the same issue when I come to sheep and goats verses? Like, I would have to just kind of put those off to the side and say, that doesn't make sense.
3: Can I tell you first, you're the first person who ever asked me that question that way. And (laughs) And I think that's a really good way to ask it, because it immediately points out uh, that, that we're, we're bringing some assumptions to both of those formulations, universalism or exclusivism.
1: Yeah.
3: We're bringing assumptions that are faulty. That's why when people ask me, are you a universalist? I want to say, oh man, it is much, much worse than that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's,
3: uh, I think the question to which universalism and exclusivism and in between in inclusivism, the question that those are answers to is actually the wrong question. And I, I, if that makes no sense, I'll be happy to unpack it.
2: Yeah, I'm packing a little bit.
3: So uh, one way, an analogy, I, I'd say, look, if I'm trying to drive from Charleston to Los Angeles yeah. and I come to a T in the road and there's a left turn that says uh, to Tampa and a right turn that says to Miami,
1: yeah,
3: I know that – Neither of those options is good. Right. Uh,
1: Right.
3: I've somehow got off the track already. And that's what I think has happened in Western Christianity. And here's the way I would say it. In fact, let me just a little bit of story for me. Um, Like you, I, I was a pastor for 24 years. And one of the things about being a pastor Um, you know, I started in the school of pastoring where you have a topic and you find a Bible verse to go along with it and then you preach, but eventually somebody convinced me I ought to start preaching through the Bible. Well, what that forced me to do is to pay attention to all the verses in between the other verses and, and start digging in a little more deeply, learn about the history and background and so on. Right. Well, I remember, I'd i been a pastor for at least five or seven years. Like for other people, this is super obvious, but I had, yep. uh, honestly, I'd never seen it. I never realized that the Old Testament never once talks about heaven and hell.
2: Gosh, I know. And And Acts, their evangelism never included hell.
3: Never heaven and hell.
2: I mean, that's so crazy. And that's our, I mean, today, that is our starting point. We even say things like... The gospel is not good news unless there's bad news first. I mean, that is our starting point. If I, I mean, I've, I've been in cultures to where if I share the gospel without talking about hell, I didn't do a good enough job because I didn't give, I didn't give them what they needed.
3: So the gospel as defined in modern Western Christianity, we have to specify this. The gospel is defined in modern Western Christianity is about how to avoid hell. It's the good news of how not to go to hell when you die. I'll I'll just tell you in Eastern Christianity, that was never the gospel, never in the past, not in the present. Um, They just never, ever even conceived of it that way. And in the early centuries of Christianity, that wasn't the primary focus either, but it has been for a long time. And there are a whole lot of ways to explain it. But um, I think the big change happens with St. Augustine. And after St. Augustine, Invents a doctrine. Uh, Now, the word original sin had been used before Augustine, but Augustine is really the one who makes it the centerpiece of his theology. And from that point on, there's a line that goes from Augustine to Thomas Aquinas, and then from Thomas Aquinas to Martin Luther, and from Martin Luther to all of John Calvin and all of Protestantism. So when people say, Are you a universalist? I want to say, I can't. Honestly, answer that question because that's a question that only makes sense within modern Western Christianity that has a set of assumptions that the whole purpose of the Bible is to solve the problem of original sin, total depravity, all that. First of all, you'll never find the term original sin in the Bible. Second of all, if you read the book of Genesis, in fact, this is what really messed me up, Joey. When I was a pastor, I decided to preach through Genesis. Yeah. And I remember when I got about eight or ten chapters in, I realized that the term the fall that I'd been raised on, Right. if I were an innocent reader of Genesis, just reading Genesis, I never, ever in a million years would have come up with that concept. Wow. Um, now there's a history to the concept we could go into yeah. so many layers deep. But so
2: would you, would you say that's on that's real quick? Would you say that's on equal playing field as the rapture? Same sort of thing?
3: Uh, Yeah, both ideas have a history. You know, the idea of the rapture came from John Nelson Darby in the 1830s. And there's a history of why he would see things that way. And, and I actually come from the little denomination or sect that, you know, gave the world John Nelson Darby and dispensationalism. But that's another whole story. But uh there there's a there's a whole long you know story behind this historically why this arose and I'm not condemning anybody and I'm not saying everybody's wrong all I'm saying is it's not the only way to read the bible it's not right. the original way to read the bible no no Jew in all of history has ever read the book of genesis and come up with an idea of the fall original sin sort of ontological guilt and depravity and condemnation and they're going to heaven and hell. It wasn't even a Jewish concept. Nobody read the Bible that way. Now, listen, that doesn't help if you're a Southern Baptist or an Assemblies of God or a non-denominational evangelical or fundamentalist today. Everybody in your community thinks to read the Bible as the solution to the problem of original sin, that that's the whole point. And and they'll think you're crazy if you question it.
2: Right, right. So, so... uh, uh, Real quick though, how how do you interpret Jesus's separating sheep and goats? And yeah. I think didn't in the parable he said you know the weeds would be thrown in the fire and, yeah. and
3: things like that. Yeah. So let let me let me step back for a little bit and say that um, uh, I, I think there are probably three or four terms that we would need that I think have been defined within that framework of Augustine, Aquinas, Luther, so on. Uh, one term is the term salvation right. uh, because they're working in the framework, that framework, salvation means to be saved from the penalty of original sin. Uh, and which means to be saved from eternal conscious torment in hell. That's what salvation means. Yeah. When you aren't in that framework and you just start with the Hebrew scriptures, salvation means liberation. The The word salvation, it derives its meaning from the story of Exodus. God Saves the people from slavery in Egypt, yeah. And, and the word "save" mean it. It its context is save from oppression and slavery, liberate right. from oppression and slavery. Now the word can be expanded: save from illness, save from poverty, save from injustice. But it it means it, it to to be saved means to be liberated. Yeah. Start with that, um, and uh, uh, and to be judged. Doesn't mean to be sent to hell. Remember, people in the Old Testament didn't even believe in hell. I can't remember that. I could look it up real quick, but I think it's Psalm 98. It goes something like this Shout joyfully to, uh, to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth and sing for joy. Sing praises, for God is coming to judge the earth. Now, you know, in the, what I was brought up, judge means condemn. Yeah. Obviously, didn't mean that because you wouldn't sing, praise God. God's coming to condemn and destroy and torment all the earth forever. No. Yeah. Judge means in the Hebrew scriptures to confront the wrong and set it right. It, it's, it's not just pr- condemn and punish. It's to confront the wrong and set it right. So yeah. um, I think when Jesus comes on the scene, first, we've got to let him speak in the language of the first century, not in the language of 20, 20th or 21st century. Get out of here. Are you <laughs>
2: serious? We can't read it through 2018? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. 2019. That's right. And, so, and our country, man, America, we're Americans. We can't read it like
3: that. Well, <laughs> we can and we do. And it causes horrible consequences. <laughs> yeah. Because l- let's be honest, you know, because you're in South Carolina at this moment. I'm in California. Right. and I- I'm in uh, in Florida. And where we are affects how we read the text, too. Yeah, We come from a context that was so focused on hell that it didn't give a crap about slavery. Right. I mean, right. that is, if we let that sink in, uh, that is absolutely shattering, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's hard for white folks like us to let that sink in. But if we do, it, right. it, it, it if, if, if anyone opens a crack to let that sink in, it's think what that really means that yeah. we had, our spiritual forebears were, were obsessed with hell and, and celebrating forgiveness, and that allowed them to go whip their slaves and rape their slaves and everything else the next day and, and yeah. forgiven the next Sunday. You know, it's, it's just shattering. But all that's to say, um, when I put Jesus in his context, here's what I think he's saying. He's saying, look, yeah. we've established this whole religion. It's focused on sacrifices. It's focused on tithing the the herbs out of your garden. It's focused on what you do on Saturday or Sunday. Um, what God really cares about is mercy. God really cares about justice. God really cares about compassion. And if we don't get our act together, we're going to keep living the way we're living, and we're going to go right off the cliff. We're like Thelma and Louise with our pedal to the metal, and we're going off right. the cliff. And and so he's what, what he's telling people is, you keep living the way you're living, and terrible things are going to uh, result. Um, he, he's not talking about you're going to be tortured forever in hell. He, he's he's saying, look, terrible things are going to result. Now, I think most of those terrible things in Matthew, Mark, and Luke are really focused on something Jesus could see was coming. Now, I don't even think he needed magical powers for this. Yeah, but he he could see that there was a violent revolution building in, among his people. They were being oppressed right. by the Romans. And and there was this group called the Zealots that they'd already staged a couple of rebellions. We know from extra biblical history that uh, that Nazareth was just down the road from a town called Sepphoris, where right around the time of Jesus' birth, several hundred Jewish men had staged a violent revolution against Rome and had been publicly crucified. I mean, yeah. talk about a trauma. So Jesus yeah. grew up to that. I think Jesus is saying— we keep going, and we are going down, and we're going to experience that kind of destruction.
2: Yeah, um, so. yeah. And, and I'm not—obviously, uh, I'm not trying to back into a corner. I'm trying to clarify for myself, but I don't expect you to have all the answers to all these, but depart from me, I never knew you. Yeah. I mean, that sounds just so disastrous. Yeah, but— Get away from me.
3: Especially because we're, we're putting it in the context of depart from me, I never knew you, means you're going to hell. Right, And and that affects that framework affects everything. But take it in this way. Let's say I were to meet Jerry Falwell Jr. Yeah. And I were to say, Jerry, when you are careless about what happens to black people and all you care about is arming your white students with guns. Jerry. Jesus Christ would look at you and say, I do not recognize you. You do not look like a disciple of mine. Now, I'm not saying Jerry is going to burn forever in hell, right. but I could say that with, with confidence because I think what Jerry represents is so far from what Jesus represented, right? So yeah. I think that's the kind of thing Jesus is doing. And and he's using strong language because people who are captured Within a religious bubble. It's like a cult. They're captured. They, they've yeah. never thought of anything uh, uh, otherwise. So he has to use subversive means to get through. He has to speak in parables. And so that parable about the sheep and the goats is a super powerful one because you and I were taught within our hell and heaven uh, ethic right. that the way to go to heaven is to say the sinner's prayer and believe penal substitutionary atonement theory, and you'll be forgiven based on your beliefs and you'll go to heaven. Right there in that story, what Jesus is saying is Jesus doesn't – he's saying God doesn't care too much about all that stuff. What God cares about is how did you treat the poor? How did you treat the prisoner? Right. And I think the point of that parable is not to say he's going to heaven and hell. The, the, point, of that para, uh, the point of that parable is – what kind of God do we think is really up there? A God who's right. obsessing about whether you've said some magic words and then doesn't care about whether you beat slaves and rape their women and all the rest, right. or a God who says, what I really want is justice and mercy. What I really want is for you to treat people well. I think that's what Jesus is arguing about. Uh, and, and, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I, just just listening to you, I don't, I, I've even, I've, I've even gotten teary eyed just in the last 10 minutes. It's just all new territory. Um, Why? And maybe, maybe you would say, no, Joe, it, it is actually pretty clear. Why, why wouldn't it just be made way more clear to at least Bible readers? Yeah. Like why? I mean, I'm just like, why wouldn't Jesus say something so clear? Or do you think he did in that culture? Because I'm just like, I don't, it's, I mean, it's, I don't think you read the whole Bible and come away with a feeling of, oh, wow, everything's cool. Yeah. But maybe, maybe that's our fault. I, well, I don't
3: know. And, and let me say, one of the reasons why I don't like the term universalism is right. because since it was framed in who goes to heaven and who goes to hell, if you say, oh, I'm a universalist, oh, everybody's going to heaven. Everything's okay like I don't want to say everything's okay. I want to say right. every time a kid is put in a cage and yep. every time a kid goes to bed hungry and every time the rich accumulate more and more and the poor are left farther and farther behind god's will is not universally being done on earth as in heaven. So right. I've got the alarms going, right? Yeah. So I uh, so that that's uh, you know you'll get a little sense of where, where I'm coming from with that. But your question about why wouldn't it be more clear? Um, it's really an important question and that raises up all kinds of assumptions that we were taught about the Bible, yeah. um, that, uh, you know, I remember being told in sermon after sermon as a kid, Oh, a five-year-old can understand the Bible. That's just yeah. crap.
1: That's just, <laughs> crap. it's just not true.
2: In fact, I'd be okay with almost going back to traditional Catholicism and letting the smart people tell us, you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's there's some wisdom in that, I think.
3: There is some wisdom in that, except when the smart people are making money yeah. by keeping you in fear and then they're yeah. going to tell you what they need to tell you in order to keep their the money mm-hmm. rolling in. And let's let's not be naive for a minute. Every religion including our own is largely shaped by its economic model. And a lot of Christian history, you just start seeing that in fact you know, all this rhetoric of, of heaven and hell, coincidentally, uh, really ramps up at a time in the Middle Ages when the Pope needs money for the Vatican. And yep. uh, so, you know, then there a lot of money comes in when you scare the crap out of people. So, um, so there's all of that. But um, I think one of our problems is that you and I were taught something innocently, the people who taught it to us really believed it, but I think it was wrong. And what yep. they, they taught to us, is that the Bible is like a legal constitution and it's set yeah. up like a constitution to, to be clear and tell us what the rules are. And maybe, the truth is the Bible is a library. It's a collection of documents from you know, several, a couple millennia, uh, yeah. covering history of a couple millennia. And it's it's um, it's a it's a rich library. But there's a difference between a constitution and a library. A Constitution is intended to enforce agreement, and that's why it needs a certain kind of clarity. It needs to enforce agreement. A library a library exists to preserve argument. It, it, right. it exists to keep both sides of an argument alive. And when you that simple realization that the Bible is much bigger than a constitution, now some people would say, "Oh, it's messier. Yeah, it's messier, but it's also richer and a lot more useful. Yeah. Um, and it's keeps these arguments alive. And it shows us both sides of the debate.
2: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Now, one thing that, uh, that I actually, um, abided by for years, and I still hear people saying this, even, even folks that are opening their minds to, um, you know, a different way of approaching Christian faith, but, it's this concept of so so uh and and please speak up and correct me if I mischaracterize the great spiritual migration, but you're you're basically saying the Christian faith is a faith of action and love, it's not supposed to be a faith of belief and doctrine, is that fair enough
3: so if I can make a distinction yes. I, that's fair, yeah, that's totally fair, but to just avoid misunderstanding by this i I think you're understanding what I'm saying, but um but There's a difference between faith and beliefs. Yeah. Um, Faith is an attitude of trust and dependence and need and longing and affection. um, It's a it's a it's a a relationship of of trust. Right. Yeah. Um, Beliefs are just concepts. Yeah. And and what I think unfortunately has happened is that we have been so indoctrinated into a system of beliefs. It's not just, and I'm not against many of the beliefs. It's just that here's the irony. Jesus comes along and says, I mean, this is so clear in, in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, why do you say to me, Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I say? Yeah. Uh, so he's saying look i'm interested in the way you live then he tells a parable about a, a guy who builds a house on rock versus sand the whole thing is about whether he hears my words and puts them into practice i'm interested in people who live by what i'm i'm teaching yeah what we then we just push that aside and we say uh we're not that interested in people living by what's what teaching. And I didn't mean to pick on Jerry Falwell before, but he's been right. in my mind because a couple of weeks ago he said, I do not look to Jesus Christ for how we should live in public life. Right. Um, wow. so, so in a sense, we take Jesus Christ and we make him our ticket to heaven and right. we throw him away as our teacher and Lord, you know, yeah. because a yeah. Lord means somebody who has the authority to tell us what to do. So all that's to say, uh, uh, I, I think what Jesus desire is is that we would become people who live by him and follow him so that we can express his very spirit into this world and help save the world from hate and prejudice and bigotry and lies and lust and 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 greed and all of these things that are literally destroying the world and destroying people's lives. Yeah. And and so that's that's w- w- what I think Jesus was about.
2: Yeah, so what would you say to someone that says, "Well, well Brian, Uh, loving people does mean telling them the truth. Like if, if someone is, is doing something uh, and it's a sin and they're going to our church, man, we got to sit them down. And if they don't repent, we got to take them before the elders. That is love. Like it would be unloving for me not to tell them that premarital sex is wrong or, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, because I, I understand that point of view. If, if sin really does destroy people, then it would seem to be, yeah. and um, uh, obviously, I know s- some of our listeners are across the board with premarital sex, but it would seem to be that, um, uh, gosh, I lost my train of thought. No, no, you know where I'm yeah, going, though.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the thing I would say, what would I say to that person? Yeah. I would just say to that person, listen, I understand. And and in a sense, I would say, I don't, I don't disagree with you. But isn't it interesting that you have a lot to say about premarital sex? and very little to say about racism. You have yeah. a lot to say about premarital sex. You have very little to say about greed. You have a lot to say about how we should stigmatize uh, uh, LGBT people. Uh, yeah. Have you ever read James chapter five who's, that stigmatizes rich people who don't care yeah. about poor people? So yeah. uh, You know, I, even on their playing field, I'd say I- I'm not terribly impressed by your sense of priorities here. Uh, yeah. uh, but what if they were if we were in a conversation where we were really listening to one another what i would say to them is i'd say listen and i try to help them see you're talking with still within this framework that what the gospel is is an evacuation plan how to get gotcha. your soul out yep. of your body and up into heaven rather than hell rather than a transformation plan how can god's will be done on earth as it is in heaven
2: right it's almost like hey if jesus is going to take care or uh, of everybody's souls then that's the starting point we don't have to freak out and be so afraid of sin and think it's so dangerous rather well that, that that's not totally accurate yeah, either yeah. but but when it when it, it our, our it does make our priority love though because people are no longer a project yeah. you know people are no longer people to fix but people to lead into life
3: right? I mean, is that, I think that's really, really well said. I think that's okay. really well said, but we just have to remember joy. And this is where, what we're talking about is so traumatic to people. And I wish there was a way to make it easier. And, and I do think people, <laughs> I do think people can ease into it. Like all of it, I eased into it. I didn't like yeah. the things that are so clear to me now, it was like peeling an onion, you know, there, layer after layer. And there's a lot of tears and peeling off some right. of those layers. Cause it was scary. And I had people, Tell me I was going to hell, you know, and all the rest. Um, But uh, uh, and and so part of me wants to say people who are totally happy with the status quo, they like that form of Christianity. They think it's working just fine. I don't want to bother them, you know. Yeah. And, And. the truth is, you don't either. Otherwise, you wouldn't have called your podcast what you called it, right? You gave it a name that the only people who would listen to it are people who aren't totally happy with this, with how good Christian right. is defined.
2: <laughs> right. Totally. Totally. Well, um, you've been you've been super kind to me. You uh, I, you may not even know where the texts are coming from, but once in a while, I'm, I'm able I, to ask you a question here. Or there, I may or may not tell people, Brian, that you're one of my mentors. Uh, but <laughs> uh, you you talk. Talk in your uh, book about a God 5.0, and you you actually do say you hate even using this terminology, but it's helpful for right yeah. now. Uh, but I know you wouldn't come right out and say this, but the reality of what you're saying, and it's not offensive to me, especially knowing your heart and being able to talk to you. But is there any other way of looking at it as uh, other than guys like you and, and Father Rohr are... Further enlightened than traditional evangelicalism? Is that okay to say that you guys are seeing further
3: than most of us? You know, Richard is a dear friend. I don't think either of us would want to say it that right. way. Uh right. I, I what I think we maybe would say is that suffering and love and the Holy Spirit working through those. You know they they help you see things and and nothing that we say i in fact i I'm one hundred percent certain that Richard would say this very, very little of what Richard says he would say is original to him i and I would say mm-hmm. the same with me right but uh life brings you to a point sometimes where the system that you inherited stops working. And when it stops working, you start asking questions and you start listening to people that you hadn't listened to before. So, right. you know, I grew up in the world where the list of approved authors was very strict, right? And some people we just didn't ever listen to. Um, and one of the people who was outside of our box was a guy named Walter Brueggemann. And I just remember, I, I would never have picked up a book by Walter Brueggemann because he, right. wasn't, he wasn't evangelical, right? And way back in the 90s, a friend handed me a little, like, four page Xerox copy, you know, yeah. uh, of an, of an article he'd written, uh, in a magazine called Christian century. And we didn't read Christian century. We read Christianity today. Um, right. but he handed me this article and it was just a simple Bible study. And I remember as I read it, I thought this guy sees the Bible more honestly and deeply than any of my current teachers. Right. And yeah. something like that opens you up. To learn new things and think
2: new thoughts. Yeah, for sure. So one thing I really liked about this book too, is you are not only presenting an idea and a different way of thinking and and your convictions and your faith, but also, I mean, there's a huge portion of the book saying, okay, now that we have that established, here's what we need to do. And it Like you, and and obviously this is I'm saying this in a positive light. You you speak so boldly. It it, I mean it sounds like you are, you are, you have your hands open for God to start a movement. Like you want this message to spread. Uh, How do you see it playing out? Like does it just take a, I don't know, a Rick Warren, Matt Chandler type pastor that is seen as evangelical, inerrantist, like, that's a guy we listen to? Does it take someone like, I mean, because I I think, I I don't know, but I think you were uh, a a name of notoriety out in the pastoral world too, but does it take those guys starting to entertain that and teaching that to to change the tide? Because right now, I would imagine a church like that would be deathly afraid (laughs) to come out with that, even if the pastor did believe that because of you know, the need for money and numbers and all of that?
3: Well, uh, f- first of all, what I would say is I think the movement that we need is not just a movement within evangelicalism, because I think especially white evangelicalism is, is so set in its ways. And, and right now, is, it's just amazing to me to watch a, a guy like Donald Trump own the hearts of 80% or so of evangelicals. You know, I grew up evangelical. I grew up fundamentalist. Right. And a guy who lied, a guy who cussed, a guy who grabbed women by the genitals and bragged about it, a guy right. – we we would have just seen that person has oh, bad yeah. character. You never trust a person with bad character.
2: Uh, Bill Clinton, who yeah. I don't think is – I mean, we crucified
3: him. Exactly right. Exactly <laughs> right. So that's what I grew up with, you know, and, and to watch evangelical, white evangelicalism sell all of that out in a relative – and it's happened in my lifetime. I've watched it happen, right? Yeah. So, uh, but i think the movement we need involves a segment of progressive evangelicals like people like yourself and frankly podcasts like yours are one of the places where people can in secret it's like nicodemus going to jesus by night they right. the, the pharisees would have their uh, you know have their head on a platter if if they knew that he was going by night but while somebody's driving along in their car they can listen to your podcast and, right. and and think freely, but they if they had a book by me or somebody else and they carried it into church, they'd be in trouble, right? Um, yeah. Uh, but it's progressive evangel, or let, let's just say it's evangelicals who are ready to break free. I, right. I think it's it's folks from mainline Protestant backgrounds who realize that to be a Christian is a lot more than listening to organ music, uh, yeah. and and dressing up in robes. No, there's a movement that's needed, and it's more and more Catholics who realize that the kind of Christianity that Pope Francis represents is very different from the kind of Christianity that the American bishops, you know, the American Catholic bishops are are a whole lot like evangelicals. They wanna focus on abortion and gay marriage and they just don't give a a rip about other things. Um, And and when that kind of a movement grows, um, I, I think it has enormous power, but I don't think there'll be a big figure there are a whole lot yeah. of reasons for that we could talk about, but I think it's it, it's much more of a grassroots thing. And yeah. uh, and and can I just say the evangelical industrial complex has a way of ushering people out the door who don't fit in. Um, right. You know, it happened to me. It happened to Rob Bell. It happens to uh, Rachel Held Evans. And there's a whole group of people right now, Jen Hatmaker, a whole group of mm-hmm. other people now. Who are in the process of being ushered out the door, right? Yeah. But here's the interesting thing: um, a whole lot of people watch these folks get ushered out the door, and they just sit there. And after a while, they think, you know, I kind of like the spirit of the people who got kicked out more than I like the, <laughs> the spirit yeah. of the people who yeah. the kicking out. So.
1: Right.
2: Yeah. You got time for two more questions? No. No problem at all. All right. Um, so. You know, we're we're talking a lot about fundamentalism and a lot of the unhealthy emphasis on certain things and, and all of that. Do you, I'm making a particular observation, and, and maybe there's some sinful, judgmental stuff going on in there too. But I, I'm afraid that the, we'll just say, evangelical crowd are doing some of the same things that they hated in fundamentalism from the standpoint of if someone hasn't arrived a hundred percent exactly where they're at with everything, they're serious. Some, some, obviously uh, this is a a small percentage, but some of them are, or maybe a larger percentage, but some of them are like, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want to talk to you. You're over there. I'm over here. And, and then in the same mouth, they will say, yeah, I'm, I'm following Jesus. I mean, Jesus said, "Love," and I'm like, wait a second. Like, doesn't it go both ways? Like, yeah. do, you, do you see that playing out as well?
3: I, I do on many friends. Let, let me first say that that term ex-evangelical, to be fair to the people who are—some of them would say that they're atheists now. Some would say they're agnostics now. Yeah. Some would say they're progressive sure. evangelicals now. So they would have a whole bunch of different things. The, the, that hashtag came into existence by a group of people who said, we will not be silent about the harm that was done to us. And, yep. and the fact is the form of Christianity that became very popular, especially most of these folks were damaged in the 1990s. And and that that form of Christianity that emerged in the aftermath of Ronald Reagan and in the ascendancy of the religious right and and focus on the family and all of that. A lot of those people who grew up as children in the 90s and the early 2000s, they now see the damage that it's done to them. And the fact yep. is, there many of them are traumatized. I don't know if you're paying attention i don't know if you were influenced by the purity culture but the number oh, yeah. the number of young adults now who are saying the sexual the, the psychosexual harm that was done to them by that whole thing now young men mm-hmm. young women uh you know so so they're traumatized and i expect traumatized people to to cry right they're hurt yeah. and and to be angry they're hurt so um, i don't i wouldn't make an equivalency there um, But uh, but I would just say, yeah, what we desperately need uh, is we need help for the people who've been traumatized. But if they start having children, they know they don't want to bring their children back to the old school. And then yeah. have them traumatized, hmm. and then have you know right. it's like they don't want their kids to go through that. So what they want for their children is something that's positive and constructive, and knows what it's for, and has a clear message, and isn't just clear about what it's mad about and against, but is clear what it's for. And and that's what I think we need so much.
2: Yeah, totally. So another thing you talked about is just the importance of interfaith groups and uh, Hindus rubbing shoulders with Christians and Muslims rubbing shoulders with uh, Jewish people, like how. How would some you know someone that that's like, "Oh my gosh, that whatever Brian has lost i'm I've been told have no other gods before me like how how do how does that fall in line with your encouragement of all of us coming together for common good and 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 oh well, let me phrase that i don't think I don't think hardly any Christians would have a problem with us uniting with other faiths, but you seem to put a little bit of, hey, we're all on the same playing field. Other faiths have things that are unique about them that we don't have, that we do need, and we do need to learn from. So it's like, all of a sudden, we're all on this equal playing field, Whereas Christians, we've always been told, we have the truth, we've got to get that out. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, whoa, everybody's okay?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, boy, I... Uh, I feel like to answer that, Joey, I need to do it. I kind of need to do it on two levels. Okay. Sure. On one level, I need to be honest with you. Like part of me wants to shake those people and and get in their face and say, do you understand the harm done by the Christian religion? Do you understand tens of millions of people have been killed in the name of Jesus Christ. Do you understand what was done to Jews? Do you understand what was done to the Native Americans? Do you understand what was done to people around the world during the colonial era in the name of Jesus Christ? Do you understand? I mean, I just want to grab people and say for you to claim that you're so superior and to be lying and dishonest and willfully ignorant about the horrible harm done in a religion whose founder said, by their fruits, you shall know them. Mm -hmm. Like I, part of me just wants to scream and say, you you know, I want to start sounding like Jesus, you blind leaders of the blind. You know, I just want to go full, you know, uh, full force gospel there. But the other part of me says, look, these people are just – they've been made to be afraid. They've been told it's only those evil liberals. So first, when I, I'm not – if you want to say – am I saying we're all in an equal playing field? Well, I do want to say we're all human beings. We're yeah. all a mess. God loves us all. We're all full of sin and ignorance and wrong. We all have a lot to learn. So in those ways, I want to say – That we're all on the same playing field. But here's the irony that I want to say to Christians I actually am a believer in Jesus. I believe that Jesus has good news that the world needs, including evangelical Christianity, which largely uses Jesus as a ticket to heaven, but doesn't actually pay attention to what he said and did and taught. Um, uh, But uh, so I want to say I, I agree. You should have no other gods above the God who says to love your neighbor as yourself. If you have a God that tells you love your American citizen neighbor, but not your non-citizen neighbor, that's a different God, right? Yeah. Um, so I want to say, yeah, don't have any other God above God. I'm I'm affirming that. But that, that very God who you believe in calls you to love your neighbor. And that yeah. includes your Muslim and Jewish and Buddhist and atheist and Hindu and other neighbor, right? So, yeah. But so, I, so, I, having said that, I know that that makes no sense to some people. And they don't realize the degree to which their brain has been formed by this religious community that has given them such a sense of privilege and superiority that this feels like a huge insult. I understand that that's almost an impossible message to get. Through.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So would you say that it, at the very least, Christian doctrine, since it is centered around Jesus, is, is more accurate than other faiths, or that just doesn't even matter?
3: Oh, my gosh. So many bad doctrines are centered around Jesus Christ, right, yeah, like the best
2: yeah, no, but if but if you take him at his word accurately,
3: oh look, I want to say, let's listen to Jesus, let's believe in jesus yeah i I'm yeah I'm one hundred percent about that, and it's because of my commitment and my passion and my love for Jesus that i I have to stand up and say, what's passing for Christianity today is. A blasphemy in, in so yeah. many ways
2: uh, very true very true well thank you so much I mean personally uh thank you for just the influence like I, I seriously I have found myself in in places like there are there are pastors that that I can talk to about almost anything but some of these sorts of questions I just think that uh that people like you have just been so important because I don't I don't have folks kind of in my I have a lot of peers but I don't have people that have gone before me and thought this stuff through before me and all of that. And I it's it's crazy because you you talked about the tears and the fear of deconstructing and all that. And it and it really is something that it, it's almost like you're going up this mountain and it's so hard, it's so hard, it's so hard. And that you're crying, you're sweating and all of that. But then it does get to a place where it gets easier and less afraid and more trusting. And oh my gosh, the times where God just pours out his presence and just saying, you're okay. I'm with you. I'm guiding you. And I'm telling you those, those moments, I, I mean, they almost knock me on the ground. I'm just like, thank yeah. you, God. Cause even if I am wrong with any of this stuff, all I need is your love. That's I right. mean, exactly And, and, and right. if you're here with me, then I'm not going to be afraid, you know? So
1: and thank I-
2: you so much for, for writing stuff and, uh, being bold because I know you've, you've taken a lot of heat for sure.
3: Well, can I just say, uh, Joey, thank you, because as I said before, I think what Martin Luther and the printing press was to the Reformation 500 years ago, podcasts are a big part of what is going forward, because it does create a a safe and private place for people to think and and be honest. It becomes so important. Um, Let me also say, um, uh, for people who are on this journey, something you said before, The last thing you need is a group of people who are going to judge you for not being as far as they are. You know, people need to know that wherever you are is okay. Um, But if people are interested, um, I wrote a trilogy of books called A New Kind of Christian. And the second Mm -hmm. was called The Story We Find Ourselves In. And the third was called The Last Word in the Word After That. And that was published uh, almost 20 years ago. They came out uh, 18, 20 years ago. And, um those books are being re-released next month,
1: and I'm nice. just thinking
3: if if people are interested, those books in some ways show my own journey um, right. and they're they're actually novels that, that sort of are a fictional setting, but it might be helpful to people
2: yeah, for be. sure and it it's there is it best to go to your website or just Amazon or whatever?
3: yeah, they, they can go to my website uh, or Amazon um, as I say the the new release is comes out uh, in, I think March 5th or something. So very soon. And so yeah. folks might, might find those helpful. Yeah, you for know, sure. Uh, th- those are the books that in some ways I sort of used to unfold the, 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 this process. So,
2: yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny too, because this was unintentional, but our, we've been doing this podcast now, I think coming up on four years and it literally is a long documentary on three Southern Bible Belt boys who have always seen things a little bit different, but for the most part, we're fundamental evangelical Christians. And I mean, if you listen to some of our earlier episodes, like some people will listen to us, they'll be like, oh man, I want to hear all these episodes. They go back and they're like, oh my gosh, (laughs) like these guys have just, and that was not intentional. It's not a show. It's not an act. But it has been really cool because it has been us talking to guests on the show. I mean, our, when we started our podcast, little did we know it would change us. I yes. mean, we just thought we were doing it because it'd be fun and people would like it. But it has
0: literally changed us. Brian McLaren, folks. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Talk to you soon. All right, Joe, Joey, Brian McLaren, my God. Joey, if you had one sentence to describe him, how would you do it?
2: Well, I mean, the, the prevailing subject right now is universalism, and obviously everybody heard how Brian McLaren does not like to just throw that out there because of yeah. what people's mind gravitate towards, and he explained that whole deal. But I do think that is what him and his buddy Richard Rohr, I think both of them would agree that this, if this is true, and not, well, they would say this is extremely important for people to know, and I would say if it's true, I damn well agree. Like, if it's true that everybody is okay and that God's love is universal, is it true to you? Um, it's it's actually getting closer. Yes. Like, yes. what are how, how universal? I don't want to go there yet. I don't want to go there yet. I because I'm processing you, you it. You can't I don't go one percent. I I just told you. I told you I'm I'm getting there. I don't know what else you want. You want a number? I mean, I just don't know. But and and I and I just hesitate because I really am working out a lot of this stuff. But it's crazy how if you flip the switch and let's just say, even if you don't believe in universalism, let's flip the switch in your head and say it is true and then start reading the Bible. And it's a totally different book that does make sense in maybe the same way, heaven and hell narrative makes sense, but it makes just as much sense through universalism. Yeah. You don't run into all these pitfalls, and say, Oh, doesn't work there, doesn't work there, doesn't work there.
0: I mean, it really. This is interesting. I mean, you you went from wor- really worried that everybody's going to hell to annihilationism to annihilationism to uh, universalist possibly. And
2: and, and 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 here's what I would say, Toby is, um, I I know like y'all's y'all's automatic thoughts is you know Joey goes with things quickly, and I you know I do. I'm an early adopter, and that's not a good thing. That makes yep. it sound good, and I believe in conspiracy theories and all that stuff. But I would say. Before you critique anything, read the book that nope. we're talking about with Brian McLaren because I don't I didn't know... critique
0: anything. No, no, I no, didn't
2: critique. I, 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 that's why I just said your natural thing is to and, and this isn't this is true. I do like quickly, like, oh yeah, that sounds good. And it does seem as if I'm running after things that feel good. And I'm sure there's a part, there's part truth to that. All I'm saying is a lot of times, like when I started doubting hell, you guys were pretty hesitant on it and saying, you know, you're just jumping into this and this is goes against everything. What about the atonement and all that stuff? I really would love for you to read either this Brian McLaren book, um, the, the mass exodus or, uh, or the great migration, sorry. Or Richard Rohr's Universal Christ. I wanna know what you think. Like I want you I to read I don't read
0: heretics. I just don't. It's a rule of mine. I but. wanna I I want <laughs> you to
2: read a book thoroughly that that is universalistic and I'd
0: really like to hear what you'd say. But but I mean, I know what you're saying and I'm going to like it and I don't know what that part means. That's the thing I that I struggle with. Like I loved it I I be I will be honest I sat with you with Richard Rohr and uh now we've had Brian Laren first and Richard Rohr's coming up but I I mean there is part of me that I cannot escape that sounds too good to be true yeah everybody mm-hmm. just like that I, and if here's what I would, it would be easier for me to say if universalism is true then there's just nothing you just die like yeah. why would you yeah. why would everybody get something after death sure you know what I mean like that doesn't seem like that I just don't even know. Like, why wouldn't I get it now or something? Like, yeah. and maybe that's what they would say. And, and you know, uh, it, be on the lookout for the Richard War episode as well, because this—I mean, it, there's an aura about the guy that it's just it blows me away. I mean, yeah, uh, it's just, it, 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 I, there's been a couple of episodes like that. Where I felt like, oh my gosh, when I'm talking to somebody, there's something really wild going on. I mean, Richard Rohr is one of those episodes.
2: Right, right. Whether it's it's really amazing, maybe. Whether it's right or wrong, guys like Richard Rohr and Brian McLaren, they are completely at peace with the world. So it, it may be based on false logic, but the logic they're using. Dude, they're chill, man. I mean, do you see how sure. secure Richard Rohr is, and yeah. just how free with life and his words? Right. And there's there's no beating around the bush, and at the same time, there's no uh, you know trying to make things sound better. I right. mean, it's just yeah. Um, all right, well.
0: I, I really want. Speaking you to Speaking of beating one of those around books. the bush, don't beat around the bush about the BC Club. If you're not in the BC Club, join it now. I don't want to beat you over the head, but I might with my words can, of join the BC Club because it's helpful to this podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, if you enjoy episodes like this where we have Brian McLaren on, Richard Rohr's coming up, why not support it? We would. Can I can really I turn your it. can I turn your anger? Uh, no, no anger level. here.
2: I, everybody's I, no, I, going to heaven. Well, everybody's I want going. To, I want to turn your anger dial Everyone's up going ten, to 10 notches and make the same pitch. 10 notches. Oh, shit. All right, go ahead. Make the same pitch. Okay, I'm turning it up 10 notches, your anger okay. level. You were just on a zero. Now you're on a 10. Yep. I want you to make the same pitch for the BC Club. Okay. If it doesn't Brian,
0: work out, then we'll erase it. All right, here we go. I'm just going to try. You're saying— Like, Reva's
2: literally going to erase this. If
0: Okay. Give the, <laughs> she won't give edit the, it. Give the meanest pitch I can for the BC Club. Yeah, like like you. No, your audience right now is anyone
2: who is not in the BC Club. That is your audience, and And they've been to be mean and and hateful, right? No, listen. They've listened to fifty episodes or more. They've heard the same pitch over and over. They're getting free entertainment. Yeah, bastard. And they know we need this. Yeah, you made my point for me, and they know that our efforts would be expanded if they just helped
0: a little bit. Okay. And these uh, people are right. listening over and over Reva
2: and over, and over er- and They won't Reva give anything. We can't
0: erase this if we need to, if I get yes. too bad. All right. Joey and sucks.
2: All right. With that, thank you for joining the BC Club. It's Aaron Bishop, Blake Best, Robert Adams, <laughs> Nick Snyder, Heather Millington, Jordan Curse, and Olaf Christensen. That sounds pretty Norwegian. Well, thanks a lot, Toby, for the pitch. And you can go thanks, to the, theBCclub.com uh, to step out of Toby's
0: wrath. <laughs> <laughs>
1: They used to have to fear the wrath of God. Now they have to fear the wrath of Toby.
0: That's right. That's right. <laughs> now that everyone goes
1: to heaven, <laughs> watch out for Toby. Yeah.
0: Toby, That that's Toby's job. He's like, oh, y'all think y'all got out Scott free
1: Yeah, yeah. Hell no.
0: Nah. That's my job in heaven. That's how I'll make it in.
1: Yeah. <laughs>